Hello and welcome to Rusted Junk. We, we've done it. We finally hit a Bond film. There were Bond films in the 80s and we've got one. Have we got the best one? I don't know. But we are looking at the 1989 Bond movie, Licence to Kill, starring Timothy Dalton, Robert Darby, Carrie Lau, Talisa Soto, Anthony Serb, others. But anyway, without further ado, here's the trailer. I want you to know this is nothing personal. It's purely business. Killing me won't stop anything, Sanchez. See you in hell! <laughs> this private vendetta of yours could easily compromise Her Majesty's government. You're going after Sanchez, aren't you? Are you crazy? sound and you're dead no. our license to kill is revoked effective immediately in my business you prepare for the unexpected problem solved I'm more of a problem eliminator <laughs> Commander. He's got to be stopped. So, Joe, I think when you look at that trailer, for those people that can't see on and not watching on YouTube and don't see the trailer, there's a bit of a gap at the start. And you probably think it's forgot to press the button. It's forgot to actually put the trailer in. And then suddenly it just appears. That's because it's trying to do this Jaws thing at the start because it, it opens with the shark. Yeah. And I'm like, weird. OK, well, you've got, well, as a Jaws fan, you've got me. OK, I'm in. If there's a shark in there even one with freaking laser beams on the head i don't mind <laughs> but there's a shark in it carry on that's 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 good for me what did you think to the trailer well it's weird that there wasn't that voiceover guy i was expecting him to kind of say something i don't remember seeing the trailer in the movies but i'm sure it got me excited the one thing that got me excited and we'll probably address this as we're going through the movie is the music it was john barry classic john barry i think it could have been from goldfinger and it just really set a really good tone for the film mm. even though you know the visuals weren't the greatest it still is an awesome piece of music it is absolutely and, but um yeah i guess we'll, we'll go other than that it's probably some of the what they always do with trailers. They try to get the best scenes into a. Would you say it was a sixty-second trailer? Yeah, just just over. Yeah. If you count the shark, it's about fifty. <laughs> okay. 
but let's well we, we'll we'll get to the shark the shark has to make an appearance at, at some point in our in our musings um interestingly about the music just, i know we, we might probably get onto that but it's it reminded me of die hard it, there, there are times in it where you go dun, dun, and you've got that that Oh, you mean the music bit. in the movie? Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. And maybe even a little lethal weapon a little bit. Yeah. Well, um, can can I talk about the music or should we? Uh, that... Yeah, let's have a chat about the music. We we Just are really... we can do whatever we want on this. Okay. Change things around. Uh really quick at the music. That was my probably my least favorite part of the movie. Right. I really could not stand that music, especially the opening with the the classic James Bond coming in with the barrel. It just, everything sounds out of tune. Like the, uh, the trumpets, it, it just doesn't match. And I think it's probably the worst James Bond music for a film. John Barry had done the previous one with the living daylights. Living daylights yeah. And it was a great soundtrack. This one is it, just awful. Yeah. There's, it, it takes, I think the 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 music in Die Hard really does add to it, but if it works for Die Hard, it doesn't work. If, if you're trying to rip that off and trying to emulate it, it doesn't work here. You're right. There's there's times when it it veers into like cheese. It veers into yeah. Why are you doing that? I I have a feeling that if John Barry did the do the music for this, I probably would have rated it much higher. I, it really was so offensive to me. I don't. Maybe I'm right. nitpicking. But every time I watch that movie, I'm like, what did they do? It, it's just awful. <laughs> All right. Well, that's a good, that's a great time to, uh, to say over to you for the score. Okay. So I will say, and I've said this before, Timothy Dalton is one of my favorite yeah, Bonds. Agreed. Let's start I, there. Yeah. You know, there's Sean Connery and then there's Timothy Dalton. I, when they brought him in, I was definitely on board as soon as I saw that opening scene. And, you know, he's more of a Shakespearean actor. He takes his acting serious. He's a good looking guy. He kind of matches what Ian Fleming Absolutely, had, yeah. had described in the books. And I used to read the uh, spinoff books after Fleming had died that they released in the 80s and the 90s by John Gardner. And I always pictured him to be in it because he was such what I figured what James Bond would look like. Hmm. But unfortunately, he did not have a really good sequel or a second movie, a second outing as James Bond. It was more the movie than his performance, I would say. I think he was kind of trapped in a bad movie. And I feel bad because yeah. this was his last outing as James Bond. And Well, he didn't know that. He didn't time. know that. Yeah, there was a lot of financial issues that were going on with MGM mm. and I guess universal or whatever, but it, it's just unfortunate. I, I, I think it's probably one of the worst bond movies. Like uh, I'd still rather watch this than anything by Pierce Brosnan. Ooh. In it. Oh, well, we'll get to a- that. Including golden eye. Oh, um, look, look, Joe, I, I'm, I'm putting in, Markers are things to come back for. Come back to. When Absolutely. was the last time you saw a Golden Eye? Just curious. Uh, when was it? About November. November. Okay. Yeah. I had seen it like maybe two years ago. Right. And it anyway. We won't get into. That. We'll get to Pierce Brosnan. Not, not literally. We will get to Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> yeah. So, 
I'm dreading the score to... now. I think that yeah. I, I, I almost think thinking about this, there needs to be two scores. One for Timothy Dalton, one for the film. Uh or I'll give Timothy Dalton a a six. I'll give the film a four. Wow. Four. How can it well how can you I that that I don't square that up then? Because if you Timothy Dalton's one of your favorite bonds next to Connery, how can you give him a six? I mean, if you say he's a good actor, a good Bond trapped in a bad bad writing, then surely you must see the potential for he gave it he gave it everything that he had. Well, there was definitely some problems that I had with this movie. Uh, again, we'll go through it in detail as you're going through the movie. But I will say part of it was Dalton and the look of Dalton. I think it was obvious after about 20 minutes that you could tell he probably was losing his hair. And you see it more uh, distinctly when he's coming out of the water. It's just like there's something just doesn't look right. Mm -hmm. And then when he's in the casino and he has his hair brushed back, he looks like Dracula or Frankenstein. And (laughs) I noticed in particular that for some reason they made the sides of his hair really thick while his, the top of his head was thinning. And then he had like the long sideburns. It just was a weird look. Like if they would have just cut everything a lot shorter, like the sides, like really, really short and lose the sideburns. Hmm. I think he would have looked more normal, but by what they did, it, it just, I, every time I watched that movie, it's like who took care of his hair and I'm, they might've even approached him and said, well, we were, maybe you might consider wearing a wig and he, he might've said, no, I refuse to do that. But Connery did that in all the James Bond movies. Yes. Yeah. Um, you look at it, Never Say Never Again. There's, 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 I always think when you, I mean, I'm sure because we're James Bond geeks that this is going to be a really entertaining podcast because we can go back and forth. But there's the point in which Fatima asks him to like kneel, kneel down and he's like, he has to sit cross legged in Never Say Never Again when she's got the gun pointing at him um, and saying, oh, she's the greatest, greatest woman he's ever been with and all this sort of thing. And when Connery, like goes to, you know goes into that cross-legged pose you can hear the creaks i mean it looks like dude seriously don't do that because that's not james bond okay oh you know my my angina or you know my arthritis don't don't do it don't do it well was that an 80s james james bond movie uh yeah so that was oh he said uh 1985 never say never again oh, why aren't we doing that one <laughs> Well, you, are you, I said, which one do you want to pick? I did. Well, are you we could have had Moon. Well, what could you have had? You could have had um, For Your Eyes Only. Uh, we could have had uh, Octopussy. Uh, maybe we'll come back for those at some point. <laughs> or maybe we'll have to now. I mean, wow. Sack the producer then, Joe. I'll, I'll have a word with him. I could. No, man, I thought there was a huge delay. I forget that there were so many. 80s James Bond movies. Yeah. And after this, you think, well, we picked the worst one. I did say to you, we could do Living Daylights, but you said, let's do License to Kill. You did, but no, I'm going to say you were the first one that mentioned it like last year. It's like, would you like to do License to <laughs> yes, Kill? Yes, we have. And by last I, year, he means this time last year, not like December 
we, we've yeah, been talking about exactly. this for quite a while. For a while, yeah. 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 Um, and I hadn't watched it in a while, and I was like, yeah, you know, I haven't seen it. Maybe it's gotten better, and I'll look for things that I really like. No, it's not a very good movie, unfortunately. But again, we'll get into it. What about you? What's your score? Well, I'm kind of with I'm kind of with you, except I'm going to be a little bit nicer, Timothy Dalton. I'm going to. I can see how good he is. I can see the. I can, I can see what he brings to the role, and which is why you're right. It is probably the closest James Bond to the writing. So I'm going to give him an eight, right, in this, because I think he's constrained in this film. And what he does do, he does his best with. It's not it's not perfect by, by any means, but I think you've got to give him and recognise that, that he's doing a good job with a really bad hand. Um, film. Oh, why did we do, in fact, why did we do this film? Because now I've got to go, now I've got to tell you that I'm scoring it a five. Because, and that's really disappointing to me. Should we just stop now, Joe? Should we just not, like, in fact, I just, like, put this bit out and then go, and we just said we were going to do, no, joking, we are going to do this. Because there's plenty to talk about in this. There are certain things that I can't let go. Uh, And I'm sure we're going to have good fun with it. But yeah, five for the film. It's, it was, it's no living daylights. It's no living daylights. It's absolutely. That should have been on the the marquee of the, the poster. <laughs> yeah, well, no one would have gone. <laughs> you would have been like, all right, okay. Because <laughs> I know there are a lot of people that think Living Daylights is a bit cheesy. You know, you've got the milkman with exploding with exploding milk bottles and things like that. You know, you've got a lot. There is cheese in there, but there is a solid story in Living Daylights. There is, yeah. And also the writing of the cello down the snow mountain. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the car, the car, Joe. Chicks dig the car. That car was pretty cool, though. It certainly was. It certainly was. Right. Well, I think we've got a lot to get into. It almost feels like roll call is going to get in the way, but we do have to do it. Uh, and I'm sure you've got maybe some favorites on here and maybe people that I haven't put down. Uh, I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I've got eight. And then I just thought, otherwise, we'll, we will be here for two and a half hours. But you know what? I don't think that that's a bad idea. I've listened to your podcast. So for those that don't know Joe, by the way, I always think he's automatic, uh, you know, that everybody knows who Joe is. Um, he does the uh, the podcast Nerd Alert as part of WDWNT. Um, and he's he's been on this. He's been on my show. I've been on his show. He is always welcome. We talk loads and we probably have scheduling films for the, the following year for 2023. But, but you know, from the... Um, for the as i say is always welcome always welcome on here but yeah oh, thank you I just thought i'd out. like just wanted to introduce you but uh but yeah uh if it goes on for two and a half hours i've listened to some of your podcasts and they've gone for like over two hours and they've been entertained all the way through and i was just thinking sometimes you just don't want something to stop so let's see how we get on because you know it is a sunday um it's mother's day here in the uk um i'm doing the least mother mother's day thing that you could possibly do recording the podcast about bond um anyway right so no, I wish amanda was on but I, I understand and i wouldn't want her to be tortured oh, either can i tell you her score too I, I mean you would literally have it, got to it that was level. a two was oh, it a two? i've not asked her um if i had to guess i always get that wrong and then i always find out she's a bit more generous than i thought um let's say that she gives it a three then so three or four mm. and a five it's still in that sort of which is which is strange because 
Rotten Tomato scores put it quite highly. Just let me uh, just let me grab the uh, the Rotten Tomato scores because um, we might be wrong in the sense that seventy six percent critic score and sixty one percent audience. Well, well, part of that score too has to do with the fact that I think that a lot of the reviews are the ones that occurred when the film was released, if I'm correct. Right. And back then it did get a lot of praise. And the reason why I got a lot of praise is because it did something different where it no longer was bond versus Russian spies. It was bond against drug dealers Mm. and uh, cartels and all that. And people just thought it's like, wow, something different. It's amazing. It's, something that we've never seen before. Thank God the James Bond franchise has been reinvigorated with something completely different. But mm. even back then, I, I just felt it it didn't work. It's a bit darker. Yeah. I remember seeing it at the cinema and I, I came out and I loved it. You did when you saw yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. It. So what was I, 17 when I saw it? And it was just like, yeah, I'm in. There's a ton of cringy stuff in this movie. There is. Which I guess we'll we'll go through. Oh, we will. Oh, we will. Um, especially uh Carrie Carrie Lau ordering drinks. But anyway, we will uh, we will get to that at some point. Right. Here we go. Let's do roll call. Roll call. So we've got to start with uh Timothy Dalton. Um what what have you got? So the first thing I ever saw him in was the Rocketeer. Right. And I thought he was excellent in that. He was. And he was playing the bad guy. He was also in Flash Gordon. Yeah. And he was decent in that. Uh, I remember he was he he played Rhett Butler in Scarlet, which was the sequel to Gone with the Wind. That's right. I didn't get that. Okay. Uh, it wasn't very good. I watched a little bit of it and I turned it off. Trying to think what else. Oh, he was in uh oh uh, Hot Fuzz, right? He was. <laughs> much Hot better. Fuzz is great. Much great. better than the other Bond that was in that series of movies. Oh, who who Pris Brosnan was in uh, the next one. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely. Well, he he started his acting chops on uh uh, uh a film called Cromwell, where he didn't play Cromwell. Uh, he played the king. Uh, in between this Living Daylights and this film, he did a film called Hawks with Anthony Edwards, who played Goose in Top Gun and uh, the Doctor in ER. Um, I I do remember that fondly, and, and and I did go back and watch the trailer, um, and I think I think that would still hold up. I think the two of them get on. They're, basically, the story of it is that they're both terminally ill cancer patients at this hospital, and they're just going through, you know, doing as much as they possibly can in the last days that they've got. And I know wow. that, that doesn't sound like the um, the basis for a good film, but my goodness, it's it's incredible. And that was a theatrical release too? Yes, yeah. So I went to the cinema to see it. Uh, I do remember that uh, because obviously I'd seen The Living Daylights, and I was like, oh, look guy that plays bond is in another film uh you're right the rocketeer hot fuzz he's also the voice of mr pricklepants in toy story <laughs> three and yeah. four yeah we've got to mention it 
But he's also in a, a show. I'd, I've never heard of it. Doom Patrol. Is he really in Doom yeah. Patrol? That's a DC uh, HBO Max series. Right. Oh, I good? know that. No, I've never seen it, but I know um, who is that guy? Uh, Brendan Fraser is in that too. Okay. There's a lot of, I guess, like older celebrities in there. Right. Uh, that makes me interested in seeing it, actually. I didn't okay. know he was in that. Wh- who does he play in that? Uh, all I have is he's in something called Doom Patrol. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's, that's the whole sum of it. We could get into too much detail. I mean, I do when I get to, to you know, areas where I want to concentrate on, uh, I would. But let's move neatly on to Robert Darvey, uh, Sanchez. Okay. And most people look at him and go, Goonies. Some yeah. people look at him and go, Agent Johnson from Die Hard. Agent Johnson, no relation. Um, mm. s- some people, some geeky people like me would look at him and go, raw deal. I don't remember him in that at all. <laughs> and equally, Joe, Predator 2. He was in Predator 2? Was he, he was a the cop captain. Or he was the captain. Hmm. Uh, he was also in Showgirls. Never uh, seen that. Uh, uh, Joe, <laughs> you've got to see that at some point. Everyone in their life has to see Showgirls to know what a bad, good movie, a really bad, good movie looks like. Um, he was the voice of Colonel Juan Cortez in one of the greatest video games of all time, Grand Theft Auto, Vice City. Um, and then I looked at what he's got coming up. And I'm like thinking, this guy's not stopping. He's, he's going to be in, uh, he, oh, sorry. He was in the Expendables 3, but he's going to be, are you ready for a scoop? Because I didn't even know this was a thing. Approved, going to be made, The Goonies 2. I don't know if that's going to be made. Uh, well, it says, it says it's all been authorized on IMDb. It says, yep, green light. Goonies we'll 2. See. Why? Goonies, and I'm sorry, um, this is where I upset quite a lot of my audience, including Dom. The Goonies is so overrated. It's, it's a fun movie. It's not fun. Well, it's, for it, me, it is. Well, I guess you, well, you, did you see it at the time and you didn't like it? Uh, I saw it on, I didn't go at the, at the time. Did you see it in the 80s? No. Oh, yes. Yeah, I saw it in the 80s. Yeah. Okay. Well, and that's weird because usually, you know, like when you're older and you look at something like that, it's like, yeah, I don't get it. But you you love the eighties, and I'm just surprised yes. that that didn't and I, do anything and I, for you. I, I don't have an explanation as to why I don't like the Goonies. I just don't like the Goonies. No, it's okay. I get the truffle shuffle. I get all of that. You know, fine. A bit violent at the start for kids, but you know, this was the eighties. Um, but yeah. What about well anyway? Anything from you, Robert Darvey? No, you know, I was going to say he always reminded me of probably like a less attractive Steven Seagal. Like I could see the two of them playing brothers in a movie. Uh, Okay. Firstly, a height difference. Is there really? I know Uh, Seagal is really tall. Yeah. And then there's an accent. Accent looks height. Apart from this, Joe, you're absolutely spot on. I mean, yeah. He didn't, he didn't have an accent in Die Hard, right? That's what? He didn't have an accent in Die Hard. He didn't, though. Yeah, I don't think that uh, he has that accent that he has as Sanchez in 
in the movies. It's, it's embellished slightly, but it's still the same Robert Darby accent. Hmm. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's, I, I never, that guy, I'll just say he was lucky. Cause like when you look at him close up, he, he doesn't have the best complexion. I know it's like, I guess I'm kind we're of complexion sh- we're, we're complexing, complexing, shaming him, Joe. Yeah, I am. Uh, <laughs> but no, back then I, I saw because he was like a Bond villain and he must have had like some bad acne as a child and he just didn't yeah. treat it well. And it's just like, yeah, but it made him, it made him stand out. It made him rugged. I guess so. Rugged. If you think that, <laughs> I guess so. But that's my thoughts on him. I mean, I he's always been like a supporting actor, and he's in the background. Yeah, right. take or leave him. Well, he's still going. I saw um, a twenty nineteen. Look, you know, looking at supplementary things for the for this podcast, looking at him speaking about license to kill. He's still got it. He was still, he was on the podcast. He was on Zoom. He was on a Zoom podcast that somebody was doing. Um, he's brilliant. His time, his presence is still there. You just think, I like that. He has presence. Let's move on to Carrie Lau, who has none. Pretty ah. much, pretty much none. I remembered her. Okay, this is the sum of my knowledge. I remembered her from a film called The Guardian. Starring Jenny uh, Jenny Agatha, I believe, who was married to Michael Winner, who directed Death Wish, um, where it was like this babysitter that you know that came in on the housekeeper, Jenny Agatha, and Carrie Lau was the mum, and she was fighting fighting it, it was good and evil, and all that sort of thing. The other things that I've got: Sleepless in Seattle. Nope, me neither. Fierce Creatures the sequel or unofficial sequel to official wonder. Um, and apparently she's massive in, a, in something called law and order. Don't know. Don't watch it. I assume it's massive in the States. It is. It's big right. in the States. Right. I never seen it. I'm just not into that legal okay. drama stuff. I kind of disagree a little bit with you. Ooh. First of all, I think she's very attractive. I think that, uh, you, you know, she's got the looks for a bond girl where I'd rather see that than, someone that I'm not attracted. If you're not enjoying the character, at least give me something good to look at. I know this is not politically correct, but that's well, it's a short hair. Joe doesn't, doesn't do anything. Yeah. I liked her with the longer hair, which I think was a wig uh, and her shorter hair is her actual hair, but no, I I like her hair short too. She's Mm. got an amazing body too. She's got killer legs. Um, There's times when she does a decent job, but then there are times where Just, her character changes. And I think if people look at it now, uh, they they would definitely cringe over the fact that she's so upset that John uh, James might be sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> with, yeah. Oh yeah, with, uh, and she cries and all that, and it's, oh, it's the, not, the sulking bit at the end. It's just like yeah, yeah. They put her. They tried to make her as a strong, powerful woman. And by doing that, they kind of ruined the character for her. She, yeah. It would have been better if it was like, well, I don't care. It's like, I could find anybody better, you know? Well, I don't think she's a very good actress. Well, she, she is married to, well, she was married to Richard Gere for a long time. I just looked. Oh, I, I missed that. I thought Richard uh, Gere was Cindy Crawford, Cindy Crawford, Cindy Crawford. But 
Well, he married her after they got divorced. Right. Well, you know, um, but they just, Carrie Lowell and Richard Gere just got divorced in 2016, which I didn't know. Right. So they were married for quite a long time. That's how, other than the Bond films, that's what I know of for us, is that she was married to Richard Gere. Right. Well, I just, there's just, we'll, we'll get to, we'll get to that. Um, the other Bond girl, Talisa Soto. Much, much, um, uh, I know you, you're not allowed to say it these days. Are you nicer on the eyes for me than I agree? But, but okay, um, um, credits Mortal Kombat, yeah, she, she I thought she was decent in it. She played, I, I, didn't, I haven't seen it. Okay, is it good? Is she, good? um, I remember seeing that in the theaters, and again, it's they rarely made video game movies when you think of video game movies back then, you think of. Super, Super Mario, Mario Brothers. Brothers. Everyone says the same thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, this one was actually decent. I, I went, I took my neighbor's kid to go see it. And uh, we really enjoyed it because it was, they followed the lore of Mortal Kombat. CGI just wasn't there yet. And they were doing a lot of CGI. Right. Um, but I thought the cast was really well done. They, they looked like their characters. The girl that played... Oh, I'm gonna forget her name. Uh, yeah, the blonde in in the series, she was hot. Oh boy, was she hot! But so was Talisa Soto too. Right. And uh, all right, here's a bit of trivia for you. I think I told you this. Uh, she's my friend's cousin. Oh, I don't remember you telling me that. If I, I must have forgot it. If you did, yeah, I used to I work think with I'd this remember. guy, and, uh, and that was his cousin. Right. And. Yeah, I think she was born in Brooklyn and, and lived in Massachusetts or something like that in the Boston area. Hmm. But, uh, you know, he always just tell me, even before the movie came out, that that was his cousin. And, and she is. She's a very, very attractive girl. It's just she can't deliver lines if no. she had a shopping cart. You know? No. Yeah. It's, very good. Yes. It's just really, really, really I, I, it's funny to watch her in a way it's painful and it's funny because it's like when James is in her cabin and she tries to pretend he's not in his cabin. He's like, is anybody in there? No, go away. I'm fine. <laughs> and every line that she delivers is just dread. Well, she, she loves, she loves him. She says that she, you know, she outwardly go, Oh, I love him. I'm like, you hardly know the guy. They I mean, both do. Well, oh yeah, but I mean, she's she's the only one out of the two that came out and said, "Well, I love him." I mean, obviously, the the reaction of Carrie Lau to to Bond snubbing or seemingly to snub her. Um, anyway, Talisa Soto. The other thing, uh, the Leslie Nielsen Bond ripoff, Spy Hard. Yeah, she's in that. If anyone feels I, like they want to check it out, oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, you do, you're not missing anything. Naked Gun is genius. Spy okay. Hard is not. Too bad she wasn't in that. <laughs> uh, on to uh, Milton Crest, Anthony Zerb. I'll probably pronounce Zerbe. Let's say Zerb. Let's say Zerbe because it sounds a lot better. Or Zerb. I don't know. But uh, early credits I had to pick out. He was in Kiss Meets Fa- Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. Really? Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I like that. I, I, I was a huge Kiss fan, and I couldn't wait for that to air on NBC. Right. I did not know he was in that. What did he play? 
Uh, again, are we, is this another one? Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't okay. jot down. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd just have reams and reams of stuff and say, oh, right, the character's name was. Maybe I should do. Write in if you if you think that I'm not going into as much depth. Dear listeners, dear, dear watchers. Um, it was also uh, <laughs> Admiral Doughty in Star Trek Insurrection. Was he really? And you remember him as Doughty out. He, he always ended, he always cut Picard off by saying, whenever he did the, I need you to do something. I know you're not going to agree with it. And it was like Doughty out. Um, and he turned out to be helping the bad guys. Yeah, that wasn't one of the best Star Trek films. So I, I don't remember too much about it. But I think I, it gets I, a bad rap. I think it gets a bad yeah. rap. It's better. It, it is better than Pete. It's not as good as the diehard aficionados say it is, but it's not as bad as the naysayers would say it is. It's no Star Trek five, which is possibly the one of the yeah. worst things I've ever seen. Um, he's also uh, in the Matrix Reloaded and Revolutions. Is he really? And again, this is where I, <laughs> I haven't jotted down. Feel free by all means. He's you know, not the uh, the architect. <laughs> he's not the architect. No, uh, he's plays a character. I mean, I don't know. I don't know who the character is. Damn. Yeah. So he's in that as well. He must have been big if he was in both of those movies. Yeah. Well, now I have to go and look at it. He's a recurring character. Uh, on to. Uh, th- see, and this one is fraught with exactly the same minds, minefield that we've just run into about. Who was he in that? Okay, I'll just go for it. Uh, Frank McRae. Sharky. I'll let um, you go. Do, do you have anything for Frank McRae? I have no idea. Rocky too. And no, your your follow up question. I don't know who he played, but he's in Rocky too. Yeah, no, I don't know. Okay. Who he <laughs> he's also in National Lampoon's Vacation. He is one of the teachers in Red Doors. Oh, yeah, no, I remember. It's funny because uh, I think they had spoke about this particular character uh, or this actor, and somebody had said, "Well, he's in." vacation and it might have been you actually now that i think about it when you were doing vacation yes yes it's like he's uh, the other security guard to john candy yeah it's like there was only one black guy in the movie (laughs) (laughs) um he's also in the film uh the same year as this lock up with sylvester stallone i think he's very good in that i do like that film because it's got sylvester stallone and donald sutherland what could go wrong spoiler alert not much um He's also in The Last Action Hero and was in the Lethal Weapon parody, Loaded Weapon 1, with Emilio Estevez and Samuel L. Jackson, if people remember. That's where that's where he started. Well, not where he started, but in the early days. Call for Samuel L. Jackson. Um, Everett McGill, the, uh, F, uh, the, the agent who turns... who basically helps Sanchez and basically... Uh, Double crosses. Uh, he will always be for me. Uh, Big Ed Hurley in Twin Peaks. It's just Big Ed. Never seen it actually. Oh, you know? oh no, Joe, 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 Joe. Twin Peaks, man. It's where it's all at. It's also in June, so it's also got a bit of a um, the David Lynch connection. He is outstandingly good. In Heartbreak Ridge with Clint Eastwood, 
Oh, he is. Oh, who is he? In he's that? the alternate. <laughs> Sorry. He's, the, he's the other command. No, no, I do know this one. He's the alternate. He's the basically the um, okay. the 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 other platoon um, uh, sergeant. Drill so you've sergeant. got Gunny Highway, Gun- Gunner- Gunnery, Gunnery. Okay, yeah, and then you've got him, um, and it's great because they reach and they, they they have a battle with their their um, their platoon, and it looks like a dead heat. They said, "Well, how are you going to, you know?" Everett, the girl goes, "How are we going to, uh, how are we going to resolve this, um, Colonel?" And it's just like, basically, yeah, you're going to have to have a fight, and they do. And I'm like, "Well, I know you might be big Ed, but not in this film. <laughs> Clint Eastwood's going to wipe the floor with you." <laughs> not being funny, it's it's a good rule in life. Always bet on Clint Eastwood. I think it's probably a probably a good. Yeah, it's a good it's, movie. Yeah. This is a good movie. He's also that, in the 80s. Uh, Heartbeat Ridges is 1986, I believe. We should do that one. Oh, I mean, I'd well, love to I, do that. You need to invite me on, though. Well, <laughs> do you know, I get, I'm get, i getting, from Amanda, I'm getting a lot of heat for doing this film with you because she said, How does this fit in with Cops and Robbers? And I went, Well, because he's a spy, you know, he's a good guy. He's upholding and the bad guy the likes Lord, to rob yeah. money from people yeah yeah okay sanchez is robbing loads of money yeah that would look <laughs> you know i'm gonna have to pull rank on this one we're obviously we're doing it and then over to you for benicio del toro i'm sure you've got that uh well he was in the last jedi it was he was in uh Usual suspects, which he was really good in that. Um, I can't think of anything else. He's a he's a really good actor. You, you want to refresh oh, my mind here? Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas with Johnny Depp. Never Very seen good. it. Uh, he's in Traffic. He's also in Sin City. Joe, oh, Sin City. Joe, I can't believe I'm going to have to tell you this. He's the collector in Thor: Dark World and Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Yeah. yeah, but he's so different now than what he was back then. Yeah, know? yeah, absolutely. Um, and don't forget, it's Frankie Fourfingers in Snatch. Uh, That's right. Okay, okay. Yeah, he was yeah, in yeah. Snatch. So he's the guy at the start doing the uh, did the robbery at the start. Very good. Snatch is just wonderful. What a film. Bricktop. Bricktop is probably one of the my favorites. Top 20 film characters, I think, of all time. There you go. That's a bold statement to make. Yeah, and no, I like Snatch a lot. That's a great movie. It's very good. You got anything else on Roll Call? Because as Whitney uh, Houston uh, says, I have nothing. The other one is just Wayne Newton. He was very big. Oh, I of think, course. Yes, yeah, sorry. Wayne Newton. Yes. In the United States, he was big in the 50s. Uh, he was kind of like a crooner with a very high voice. Danke Shane. Danke Shane. Yeah, well, right behind you. Yes, of course. About that. <laughs> yep. Um, and then eventually he went on to the Las Vegas Strip, and he was trying to compete with Elvis Presley at that point. But I think he's still in Las Vegas doing yes. shows. Yes, he is. Yeah, he's a weird guy. I would love uh, to go. I'd love to see when you. I my my attention got drawn to the fact that obviously sang Ferris, and when I saw the person and put put it to the voice it didn't match up for me and i'm like this can't be that guy that sang donka shane on the float on ferris bueller yeah i thought it was a girl at first when i heard donka shane yeah 
Um, and you've also got um, the wonderful, I don't know if you've watched it yet, but The Adventures of Ford Fairlay with Andrew Dice Clay. Um, I, he's I was brilliant watching in that. part of it. He's brilliant uh, in that. Okay. He's so good. And uh, I did watch this last week, so I know what I'm talking about. He's also in uh, Vegas Vacation, the fourth National Lampoon's okay. Vacation film. Yeah. Yeah, didn't he want to sleep with uh, Audrey? No, yes. no, Audrey. Uh, Not mother. Audrey, no, no. That's that's National Lampoon's European vacation, the game show host. <laughs> Let's not go there, Joe. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah, he nearly does in the end. <laughs> Gets very close because that's not a good film at all. I agree. Um, it, it takes all of the nice goodwill and everything that's been, you know, been... Did I say it was the third? Is it the... It's fourth. Fourth. Of course, Christmas. Oh God, Christmas vacation. Well, I had a block, and I was just like, "Of course, Christmas vacation." Dom, don't send me a message. I know, mate. Sorry, I know. Um, do we count um, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation too? Cousin Eddie's Big Adventure. <laughs> let's I, not. Shall we? I wouldn't. Let's I not. Wouldn't. Yeah, let's <laughs> let's just forget that even that even exists. Right. Well, if that's roll call, I'm now going to do what. I'm now going to describe a little bit of the film and then we're going to talk about it and then we're going to move on. So, uh, License to Kill uh, starts off with DEA agents collecting James Bond and his friend CI agent Felix Leiter on their way to his wedding in Key West. Leiter's wedding to have them assist in capturing drugs lord Franz Sanchez. Bond and Leiter capture Sanchez after attaching a hook and cord to his plane and pulling it out of the air with a Coast Guard helicopter. Afterwards, they parachute down to the church in time for the ceremony. However, Sanchez bribes DE agent Ed Killifer and escapes. Meanwhile, Sanchez's henchman Dario and his crew ambush Lighter and his wife Della and take Lighter to an aquarium owned by one of Sanchez's accomplices, Milton Crest, played by Anthony Zerb. Sanchez has Lighter lowered into a tank holding a tiger shark. When Bond learns that Sanchez has escaped, he returns to Lighter's house to find Lighter's been maimed and Della's been murdered. Bond and his friend Sharky start their own investigation where they stumble upon a marine research center run by Crest where Sanchez has hidden cocaine and a submarine for smuggling. So I know you're itching to talk about the start of this film. What, 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 what don't you like? Well, the beginning, like when they always have like a little intro before the James Bond movie. I think it's one of the worst ones that they ever did. And again, you listen to the music, it's just dreadful uh, during that whole scene. Part of my problem with this movie is James Bond does not have any friends. He's a loner. He loves doing what he does. Yeah, he got married and all that, but it almost Mm. felt forced when it was on our, our Majesty's Secret Service. Yeah. But he just doesn't have ties to anybody. So it didn't make any sense. And uh, Felix Leiter, it was the same actor from Live and Let Die, which was kind of weird when you look at it. And Living Daylights. He was in Living Daylights? Yeah, yeah. I don't remember that. But it's just weird that, again, he's aged, but James Bond has stayed the same age, basically, when you look at it. It's just kind of bizarre i think that they should have gotten another actor to, to play him 
and he's not a very good actor as far as I'm concerned. Hmm. Uh, and then there's his, his wife, ugh, who was Priscilla Barnes. Yeah. Who we know her from three's company. Okay. She belongs on TV. She doesn't belong on the big screen. She's just another she's not very, um, Yeah. She's not very good at all. She no. spends most of her time on screen trying to get off with James Bond on a wedding day. Yeah. I was, <laughs> I found that amusing. Yeah. Cause it was, it was very obvious. I mean, she's I grabbing know. both cheeks and she's giving him a full on kiss. And I'm like, if I saw that at my wedding, I'd be like, things would be kicking off. Yeah. And, and where's Felix? Well, I guess he's dealing with the, what's her name? You know, the that. girl, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just really weird. And they give him that lighter and she says, we love you. It's no, 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 no. James Bond does not have any kind of family ties or friend ties whatsoever. It just doesn't work. Well, he That's must not know the character. We, we've talked about this before. Yeah. He does have, fr- he does have, Felix Leiter is a friend to him. But if you remember, um, was it uh, Skyfall? Um, he ends up in Shanghai. He ends up in that, that hotel room whereby he's got his, like one of his good mates, uh, one of the agents who ends up filming him in his room. Uh, trying to set him up and they're behind the, uh, the the glass they're hiding in the wardrobe and the filming try to set him up with a, a girl of ill repute that goes to his hotel room but th- there they're, they're, they're having a chat like they've known each other for years I'd well, say they probably know. go and have a pint when they when they get, he gets to Shanghai you know I still don't buy it uh, well yeah you can have a pint but they seem like they went on vacations together like they were very, very close. And I just kind of find it hard to believe that he would do something like that. Uh, you know, he's, he's more about his work. And when he's not working, he's gambling and having sex. That's his life and drinking martinis. It's yes, not like, what are you doing, James? Do you want to come over and watch a movie? Uh, sure. You know, that's, that's good. It's not James Bond. <laughs> that's not James, James Bond impressions. <laughs> that's yeah. I, that I come somehow, that somehow came out as a southern accent my show oh, yeah, right oh, now. i i do declare <laughs> <laughs> um, um, what, what i had the problem with is that the helicopter they, they basically go sanchez is here and he goes oh it's my wedding day he goes no 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 he's here he's left the confines of uh isthmus uh island which is where he was um because his girlfriend talisa soto because his girlfriend's cheating on him with somebody else i mean how she how she got out without him knowing. But anyway, the, the plane lands, they go, uh, and James goes, oh, if you're going, I'm going with you. And he goes, okay, but strictly as an observer. And I'm thinking, you've got England's greatest secret agent here. You know, licensed to kill, can hit a fly's, you know, eyelash at two miles, right? Why would you go, oh, just just an observer, you know, don't, don't interfere. You're like, what? <laughs> just like yeah, it's we're lucky we're lucky we've got james with this jump aboard my friend i, I don't and get that, that and that whole thing with the uh, the helicopter tugging the airplane that wouldn't yeah. work no. i'm pretty sure that would not work at well all. it would interrupt it you'd be able to yank it up quickly whether or not the plane would just right itself and then just take the helicopter with it i think it would take the helicopter down I don't yeah. think the helicopter's got that much power. Like they did it in the Dark Knight Rises, but they had like a more powerful plane, which yes. made more sense. Not a dinky helicopter. It's just <laughs> that, 
that whole thing. But I did want to bring up though one of my favorite parts of this movie is the song. I really like oh, the song. A lot. Before we get to the well, before we get to the song, what I was going to say because I think the flow. I, I'm, I'm with you on the song, and we'll we'll wax lyric about that in a moment. So they capture him. They put the parachutes on. Everyone's looking up. When when you see the helicopter, it's in the clouds. I mean, there's no way anybody would be able to see anybody else. And they're all waving yeah. and going, oh, look, look, it's Felix. Oh, it's Bond. Grab the top hats and, and off they go. And then when you see them topple out the helicopter, they are miles and miles up. It's, and, but, but the shot is, oh, they're just, you know, they're just up there. You know, they're not far. That annoyed me. That annoyed me at the time. I remember. Well, uh, that whole scene annoyed me. Well, yes. Anyway, well, let's let's move on. Uh, talk about the song. We talk about setting you up nicely. Go for it, Joe. Yeah, that song was just incredible. It's, it's it definitely. Is. I would say it's probably in the top five of my James Bond songs. I'd probably, yeah. Um, I would say actually, probably my favorite one is "The Spy Who Loved Me." Yes, I was going to say my favorite one's Nobody Does It Better, Carly Simon. Yeah. I do like All Time High by Rita Coolidge. Oh, I hate that one. Oh, my God. Oh, I love that. That's at the bottom that's of my a, list. That's Bond. You know, that's Bondish. That's just. Talk about Bonds. Mush. Oh, that, oh, dude, we can have. I feel like if I was over there right now, <laughs> I'd pull out my lightsaber and start dueling you. Good lord! I can How take mine out. My my lightsaber's here. Thank you. So uh, all right, yeah. But I, well, we're not for those who are that. listening, I've just pointed to the lightsaber behind me. But... I rarely say that Charlie is wrong with his opinion, but he is so wrong with this one. It's a well. We, I, we're we're getting it. off track. I bet that. you're going to say, "Oh, I really love Adele and Skyfall." I do. I I like that one. What? Yeah, we should go over James Bond songs <laughs> yes, one day. We will. But uh, we'll, we'll do another little segue. If we get a lot of people liking this, weirdly, looking at the stats, out the last four films, three films that we've done, Tango and Cash is romping ahead. And I'm like, oh, cool. how? <laughs> I mean, I mean, how? Uh, that's, that's, that's my only question on that. I mean, people have fond memories of that. Well, if, if you like this, if you, if you like us, you know, we haven't finished yet. In some ways, we've only just started and we're nearly at the hour mark, but that's fine. But, you know, if you like us talking about Bond, uh, we'll, we'll, we could go on it. I mean, we haven't even got to Piers Brosnan yet. And controversially, Joe is completely and utterly wrong about that, but we will get to it. Um, right. Anyway, so yes, the, the song. You're right. It's, it's, it's wonderful. And, and before this, I, I, and I, I, I heartily recommend people going and, uh, and look at this. Gladys Knight's on a tour this year in the UK. And mm. that was me thinking, well, you know, like Elton John, who lost his voice about 10 years ago, you know, you've really got to be careful about some of the, the acts that you see now and whether or not they still hold up. I'd just go and put in Proms in the Park, BBC Radio 2, Gladys Knight, Licensed to Kill into YouTube, and watch her sing that. I am not joking. It is note perfect it's oh she got she does that in her concert now yeah it's got every single it hits every single note if you love this song i just i was sat there mesmerized going if this is the quality of her voice i'm going i want midnight train to georgia i I want i don't want the whole lot i am not kidding i have the chills right now when you just said that because i first of all i didn't know she was still alive yes Uh, but uh 
uh, that in, she in sings fact, that in her Florida concert next week i think on the tour days oh really i think so no so well, i'll go. definitely will check out that video or if you could send me a link to that because yeah, i would love to see that i i would die if uh, i had seen her and she right. just says oh this is a song i did for a james bond movie because oh, i would expect her to puts- you know, do midnight train in georgia she puts the passion into it. She puts so much passion into singing that song. And I'm like going, I love the fact that you go, you know, I can imagine, you know, a, a garbage g- gig, for example, and you've got um, lead singer goes, oh, well, yeah. Okay. In between all like all the other songs and the hits we had. Yeah. We did the uh, theme tune for the world is not enough. Here we oh, go. You, you're not ragging on garbage. Are you? No, I'm ranking on the fact that that's a dreadful, that's a dreadful song. That is, oh, I, I like. Uh, that's better than the one for tomorrow never dies. But what? Uh, oh, dude, we get we have to we've do. We've got to do this. Yeah, we've we got to rank. We've got to rank them in. Do. You have to admit the Quantum of Solace one is just dread awful. Um, that is. Uh, who's that guy? Oh, uh, Lisa Keys. He, he did. No, um, he did a good one. Um, he did Casino Royale. No, this song, was, this was another way to die. Jack White, Alicia Keys. Jack White, yeah, Alicia Keys. Yeah, that's. I think that's all. That's, that's not dreadful. Right, we. This is. It's <laughs> on. Let's it's take, on. Let's take this offline. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I can see. So we'll just do another special. In right. you know after the next podcast, um, I know Dom's going to come in and do uh, either Police Academy or Long Good Friday. Um, haven't sorted that out yet, but we will. Well, let's, um, how about we we should do this sometime? I don't know. I hope I'm not overstepping my bounds. Let's have me, you, Dom, Amanda, and you, of course. Oh, um, thanks. I can come. That's all right. That's, yeah. Thank you. Go over all the James Bond songs and see which ones are our favorites. I mean, it might not be the topic, but just what can we get sometime. away with? Can we play like 10 seconds or something without upsetting the great God YouTube? I think so. I think it's like less than 15 seconds. Okay. Um, you'd have to look into that though. Right. Okay. Oh, okay. But, uh, Oh, we got from Russia with love. We got Matt. Yeah, we got a lot. I, I, I could list them all in order and number them perfectly. (laughs) Um, the only thing that's wrong, Joe, is he's scoring, but never mind. That's, that's the thing that's out. I did want to, do you have anything on trivia time for this? On what the song? Gladys Knight. Uh, no, I don't. No, you might as well say. I do. Got it now. I got one. So originally, she was going to pull out of singing the song because she's very religious and she didn't want to sing a song about killing. You know, with killing the title. Oh wow! Okay. And uh, they eventually convinced her to do it. And it turned out to be beloved. Yeah. Because you know. Yeah, I mean it's the same way. I I like Tina Turner doing Goldeneye. Hmm. Um, but yeah, we'll leave that. No, we'll talk about things until, you know, until we do that. Um, I'd, I'd have to ask Dom if he's, you know, if he, I mean, everybody is really, and they, they all have the favorites. They all know what a good song is like all time high and they know what a bad song is. So yeah, but, uh, okay. Um, so first, first part of this, we've got obviously the, you know, going back to the film. Yeah. We, I forgot we've got a film to do. Um, after all of that, <laughs> I like the fact that Sanchez's thing is lo- loyalty is more important than money. And I guess fast forward to the end of the film and he's right at the end of the film. He doesn't care about money. Reminds me a bit of like the Joker in the dark Knight. It's just doesn't care. 
he cares about loyalty. He cares about the people around him. And so he's, you know, he rewards loyalty as in people defecting like the, like the agent does. Um, but when, when Sanchez is broken out of, you know, the, the prison van, why isn't somebody going to Felix's house going Felix, boom, uh, you know, James Bond, boom. Why isn't everybody that's involved in this that has been involved, especially the people that captured him, why aren't they suddenly got a cordon of agents or police around them? Nope. It's almost like people went, uh, yeah, he's escaped. Yeah. Let's not, let's, you know, let's not tell anyone. Nobody told anyone. Well, I don't even know why they even bothered with Felix other than they needed a plot for the movie. Yeah. Because like once he's escaped and he went back to, I don't know, somewhere in Latin America, it's just stay undercover. Yeah. Don't cause any problems. Would have had a much happier life banging that chick of his, <laughs> whatever her name is, Lupe, what is her name? Lupe. Luna Lupe. I don't know, that sounds bomb. Lupe Lamora. Is there you name. go. Well, that's even worse. That's fine. Um, the shark, the, the, you know, the, the shark bit, Pardon me. I do. I do apologize. Um, that it was all right. It wasn't too bad. It was no jaws. But when they when they when they see the you know when you see the shark and when you see Bond eventually go infiltrate the place, he goes with Sharky in that dinghy. The moment you saw a shark like come up and you know the nose of the shark comes up and it's quite you know gives you a bit of a jump. Sharky goes, "Wait a minute! I'm in a plastic dinghy and there's a shark hanging around." I think I need to get out, but nobody sees, nobody seems the urgency with it. Um, yeah, it's very, I, I did like on. that scene. Like when Felix gets his legs bitten off. Yeah. Um, that's a very do, good do, scene. Do we it's say that well. his, his legs have been bitten off? Well, one of them has, I think, uh, if I remember correctly, it was part of his arm and part of one of his legs. Right. So you're big on continuity. Why isn't the, the guy that plays lighter in the Daniel Craig films? I've forgotten his name now. The guy I don't like. It was oh, in the, um, the, the Batman. Jeffrey Wright, is it? Jeffrey Wright, yeah. Yeah. That's because that's a reboot. It really is. Because if you look at it, they introduce Blofeld like he's never existed before in the James Bond universe. Hmm. Inspector. Um, and again, this is James Bond first outing in Casino Royale, he hasn't killed anybody in the beginning of the movie. So it's a soft reboot, basically. Well, he has. He's killed killed one. Well, yeah, but you see that on the screen. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's killed one by the time he gets the conversation, which makes it which makes it really yeah. good. Um, well, but, uh, you know, I'm sorry to go off a tangent again. What bothers me is that M is back. Because if they're going to do a reboot, they recast M. You know, she should not have, Judy Dent should not have come back for the Daniel Craig James Bond movies because that just messes everything up as far as I'm concerned with continuity. Because you're going to say that's a legacy from the Pierce Brosnan era. It is. It's also a legacy from all those James because this is a soft reboot. Hmm. It it just makes zero sense for her to be back. It's like when, James Earl Jones did the voice of Mufasa in the Lion King live action movie. He was the only one that was brought back. Everybody else was new. Just really weird. Yeah. 
Um, did you know that Lion King is is the highest grossing animated film of all time? No, I did not know that. No, I was listening to a podcast. I was li- listening to a podcast about Encanto because uh, I didn't. I think I told you I didn't like it, um, and they were like putting them in order. And I think Frozen Two made more money than Frozen. And I thought, well, that can't be. So yeah, I've not looked it up to go and validate. Well, it, I could yeah. believe that, but I, I think too. Again, I'm sorry, going off a tangent. It, it's <laughs> we'll, not, get, we'll get back on. It's not fair to compare like when like a movie like Spider-Man No Way Home makes all that money and you're like, wow, it's made almost $2 billion. It, it did so much better than the original Star Wars and New Hope. It's like, that's not fair though. It's like more people had seen that movie, hmm. Star Wars and New Hope. It's, you know, you have to adjust for inflation. Yeah. But people just look at dollar signs and they're like, you know, that's how they, they view things. I look at Jaws. You wouldn't have summer blockbusters if it wasn't for Jaws. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, right. So we we carrying on with the next part of it. So um, after Bond Bond kills the rogue agent using the same shark tank used for lighter, um, M meets Bond in Key West uh, Hemingway House, orders him to assignment in Istanbul. Bond resigns, uh, and M suspends Bond instead and revokes his license to kill meaning Bond becomes a rogue agent, although he later receives some unauthorized assistance from Q. Uh, Bond boards Crest ship Wavecrest, Paul Sanchez's latest drug shipment, stealing $5 million in the process. He discovered that Sharky, the guy that was helping him investigate, has been killed by Sanchez's henmen. Bond meets and teams up with Pam Bouvier, pilot pilot and DA informant at a bar, and journeys with her to the Republic of Isthmus. He seeks Sanchez's employment by posing as assassin for hire. Um, two uh, Hong Kong narcotics bureau officers fall bonds attempt to assassinate Sanchez, take him to abandoned warehouse, and the Sanchez's men rescue him, kill the officers, believing them to be the assassins rather than Bond. Later, with the aid of Bouvier, Q, and Sanchez's girlfriend, Lupe Lamora, Bond frames Crest by planting the five million in his in the wave crest Sanchez shuts crest into a decompression chamber, cuts the oxygen cord causing crest to explosively decompress, meaning bond is now admitted into the inner circle. Yeah. If you're going to go and infiltrate it, then that's the way to do it. I like the fact that he just goes there and goes, Oh yeah, I'm a British agent because he knows that he can look that up and see that he's gone rogue. But surely, if he can look that up, he'll know why he's gone rogue. Yeah. They'll go, oh, wait a minute. I need to put two and two together. Um, Out of all those things that you said, I think most of it didn't work. Right. Especially when he's escaping, you know, using the barefoot water skis. Yeah. Which are barefoot, but yeah. 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 But the thing that does work that I was impressed with is that they did kind of take in I was that guy was he working oh he's working for Hong Kong right intelligence yes. yeah and they strapped him to the table and they said well we're gonna end up bringing you back you know you know because you're a rogue agent you're wanted yeah and then the explosion happens and they find him tied to it and it looks like he's being tortured and he knows that this guy is Hong Kong intelligence and he's torturing him so it's like well then he's gotta be a bad guy so I think that was really smart. That I really enjoyed. Yeah. That he, but he, he was, couldn't anticipate. Yeah. 
he he knew he was just going to use the dentonite toothpaste, blow blow the thing, take Sanchez out. He that wasn't part of his plan is to infiltrate Sanchez's inner circle. It just yeah. happened, and he took advantage of it. But he always wanted to he always wanted to make it look as if he was he, he wanted to leave. And it's probably a good idea to bring this up. You find that Q gets there. We, you know, before we get to Pam Bouvier, we get Q, and Q seems almost yeah. It's nice to have him in the film, but it's a bit superfluous, really. Yeah, Q doesn't belong in that kind of role. I mean, how he got that box of goodies through customs, I have no idea because there's explosives in there. There's guns in there. There's explosives. How did he get it? How did he get it on the plane? I don't know if he got private plane in. Well, probably that, private plane in but it's also latin america they probably that's excusable a couple of they 20s. don't check that much yeah. or they don't even check right Back okay then. right um the bit where he's showcasing the gadgets in the hotel room <sighs> pam Puvio picks up the uh the camera she knows oh, that this is she knows that this is a box of dangerous things and yet she goes, smile, boys. And, and and obviously it's a laser camera, so it fires a laser out or, and takes a an X-ray picture at the same time. I don't know what the use of that would be. Um, okay, but anyway, it's it's a two for one gadget. But she picks it up like a like a clueless idiot rather than an experienced agent. I just think, you know, when you get she's hiding this big shotgun when they first meet at the bar. I mean that scene's just, oh, just that's just not good. The shotgun scene, or no, the, the, one the, the, the whole bar scene. Oh, the yeah, bar up. scene is is just cringy. It, it, there's a lot of cringe in this, and that's very cringy. Although she had a sawed-up shotgun, which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and then she pointed it at his never regions. Um, yeah, but, but but you've got Bond fighting a a stuffed swordfish. Yeah. That's okay. Is it is it right to say jump the shark at this point, or jump the plus, swordfish? Plus that uh, that swordfish would have broke because yes. if you know how they mold swordfishes, it's not the actual swordfish. <laughs> well, so. do you know what? I don't know. I'm not an expert on swordfish molding. Um. Anyway. It, well, it seems like you scene, were. That, that's a that's a thread well, yeah, left, yeah. left unpulled. I, I I went deep sea fishing in the Bahamas and caught like these huge tunas. And my cousin had gotten one, or my uncle had one stuffed. And they basically just take a mold of it, mold of it, and uh, it's easily breakable. And I'm sure it's the same thing with, you know, a, a swordfish too. But right. yeah, that that whole scene is just a mess. And then when she gets shot in the back, she's like, oh bulletproof vest cavalar you know it's, yeah. it's just so much and, and then they just instantly fall in love all of a sudden yeah uh, just bizarre she goes from very she goes from extremely angry to extremely helpful so when when the fuel line gets cut they get stranded she then turns into so before they see that happen it's this is this is you know uh shouting at bond and really angry with him fuel line gets cut and he goes oh we've run out of run out of juice and she's going oh yeah that old chestnut and then she's like all over him and i'm like well that was quick i mean this is this is in the realms of it doesn't make sense ease into it by all means 
but don't go from one literally one scene to the next when she changes completely. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, absolutely. Dalton does look good in a tux, though. He does. He does, but he didn't look good in this movie. <laughs> like when he's got his hair slicked back, like I said, like like Frankenstein, it just doesn't look right. Oh, but can we can we point out one thing that at least at the very least he is he is concerned about Bond is concerned that this is his thing to do. And if he needs help in order to get to a certain place, like um, you need to be my executive secretary, you know, and she does that and he's going, and every time he's almost like gives her a bit of money to say, thanks very much. You've got me to Christmas. No, no, no. I'll be your secretary. Okay, fine. At the end of that, go, here's some money. Q, you need to go. How many times have you told Q to go? And you kind of yeah, like, that's true. but you are going to need a bit of help on this unless you feel like you can do it yourself. Because you've now been through, your plans changed now. Your assassination attempt has failed. You're going to need some creative minds on you. I'd say Q is pretty creative. That's that's his reason for being. It's yeah. Creative. He still doesn't belong there. It's just, I don't know how old he was back then, but good Lord. He yeah. shouldn't have been in the field at all. Um, I remember, I don't 100% remember, but I, I was a big fan of the the John Gardner books that were James Bond books that were novels that were written in the 80s and 90s. Right. And I think he wrote a, a book called License Revoked. And it's... Yeah, I've got, I think I've got that in trivia time. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. Um, yeah, go, go for it. We can... But, um, and if I recall correctly, I think I enjoyed that more. I think the book was better. It's just that there, there's some good scenes in this, but hmm. then there's there you got to see like there's too many chefs that spoil the broth, right? Basically, and and that's what's going on here. Somebody I think has got an idea and wants to put it in the movie, and it just doesn't belong. And hmm. it, if they would have gone more serious, I, I think it would have been a better movie. But there's so many cringe scenes in this movie. It's hmm. There's more of them than good scenes in this movie. Oh, the harbor but... pilot. Yeah. My goodness. My goodness. What were you thinking? Writers, what were you thinking? She actually takes this over and then goes to deliberately crash it. So there you go. All they need is a plot point for Bond to be able to get on board and, and stash the money and frame Milton Crest. That's all. And that was even interesting. If they would have done it properly, like how they framed him, uh, it, and it, that he found the cash in that, uh, what is that, that tank called? Decompression chamber. Decompression chamber, yeah. If they found that and they, they realized that he set him up, I thought that was good too. There, there are some good things in here, but they're very far and, and few between. Right. Um, or very few and far between. But you get what I'm saying. It, it could have been a good movie and it, and it could have led to him getting a better movie. Yeah. Anyway, um, Sanchez gets it. gets gets his own bond line, where they obviously it blows up and blood goes everywhere in the decompression chamber because he explodes. And Sanchez, he's, the the henchman goes, "What do you want to do with the money?" And he goes, "Launder it." It's a good line because I was like thinking, "What are they going to do with all that money?" It's got like the guy, dude's blood on it, but yeah. Anyway, right. So uh, leading on to the next part. Sanchez takes Bond to his base, which is the skies of the headquarters of a religious cult. Uh, 
he learns that scientists can dissolve cocaine in petrol and then sell it disguised as fuel to the Asian drug dealers. Um, The televangelist, Wayne Newton, in this case, works as the middleman um, to basically do these TV broadcasts where they communicate with the customers uh, via donation symbols. Uh, Bond gets um, uh, recognized by the henchmen, so Benicio del Toro, um, and uh, escapes, starting a fire in the laboratory. Uh, but he's captured again, placed on the conveyor belt, that drops the brick cocaine into a giant shredder. Pam Bouvier arrives, shoots Dario, allowing Bond to put Dario into the shredder, killing him. Sanchez, most of the others, flees, fires, consumes the base, taking with him four tankers full of the cocaine and petrol. Bond pursues them by plane. During the course of a stunt-filled chase through the desert, Bond destroys three of the tankers, kills several of Sam- Sanchez's men, and Sanchez attacks Bond with a machete aboard the final remaining tanker, which crashes down a hillside. With a petrol-soaked Sanchez, attempts to kill Bond. Bond then says, do you want to know the reason why? And reveals a cigarette lighter that Lighter g- gave him for being his best man and sets Sanchez on fire. He stumbles into the wrecked tanker and causing a huge explosion. He then receives a call from Lighter telling him that Emma's congratulated him for his work and offers him his job back. Nothing said after that. And then you get that horrible scene with uh, the two girls fighting over Bond. That's just dreadful. That's not a way to end the film. It's, oh, nice, that he jumped, it's nice that he jumped into the swimming pool, but Wayne, Wayne Newton's criminally underused in this bit. He really is. Bless your heart. You know, well, <laughs> you know yeah. he's, he's great. He is great. Uh, my problem with Wayne Newton in this movie, though, is that he looks too much like Wayne Newton. I think that they should have <laughs> maybe given That's him gray problem, hair. Jeff. Well, yeah, because it's just like, it's almost like if Elvis did a movie and he showed up in his jumpsuit. Uh, that's kind of what I. Oh, sorry. Saw with have Wayne. you seen Elvis's movies? He plays one. I character, have seen Elvis. Yeah, but no, but I'm just saying like an older Elvis shows up in his jumpsuit, you know, like with the, with the studs and everything. And is this and, cheeseburger fried, fried Mars bar Elvis. Yeah. That one. Right. If he shows right. up as a James Bond villain, that's what they did with Wayne Newton. I'm just saying like Wayne Newton, they could have, Wayne just, Newton's not a Bond villain. He was kind of in he this, was a, a henchman. He was caught up in, you know, caught up. But in still, I, I'm just saying that he should have shaved his mustache. He should have <sighs> given him like gray highlights or something like that. It just he was too much like the character. And this might be in trivia at time too. I know he wanted to be in a James Bond movie, and that's why they they put him in there because he begged to be in it. Right. Um, I, I I don't. He was okay. Do you are you familiar over there with the whole saga of Jim and Tammy Faye Baker? Yes, yeah, yeah. It's obviously yeah. the tele, televangelist. We had uh, just 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 for the for the record, uh, <clears throat> because my mum was big into all the religious stuff. Um, she took us to things like that. For instance, when oh, really? Billy, Billy Graham came over here, um, and yeah, Billy Graham used to stand in the middle of football stadiums, and people used to go and go and watch him. I didn't really think much of it, to be honest. I was kind of like getting getting off religion at that that age, um, but yeah, I, I I you know we know about televangelists. We've got you know recently I watched the film Leap of Faith with Steve Martin, which is all about that. Yeah, it's um, a good film, and it is it is an extremely good film, criminally underrated. Yeah. Um, but 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 yeah, so I'm familiar with the 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 disgraced uh, the disgraced pastor. 
there's always that famous meme where there's just uh, I forgot his name. I don't think it is the the Lynn Bakers, but it's another one, and he's just crying. Pat, oh, Jim, Pat Jimmy Jimmy Swagger. No, Jimmy Robertson. Swagger, I think. I think it was Jimmy Swagger. Where he, okay. Yeah, I have sinned. <laughs> you have sinned, but I'm rich. Like I have yeah. sinned. Oh, the uh, when they say special effects laden, I did like the tanker going up on one. I did like that, despite the fact that it's I completely like it's, that. look, it's completely improbable. You've got the missile going underneath, boom. The 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 poor lorry driver that's standing next to that would be incinerated, but obviously he isn't. Um in that sense. No, there's it's 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 too cheesy. At the end, I was kind of like yeah. yeah, this isn't this isn't up to the usual sort of standard. It it's not interesting watching James Bond drive an 18 wheeler. No matter yeah. what he does with it, it we can have a separate. We can have a separate the stunts of James Bond discussion. Yeah, it's not the start of Quantum of Solace. This definitely isn't the start of Quantum of Solace. And if you've got good good sound on your TV, the start of Quantum of no, Solace, just, where he's going through the tunnel, is incredible. It is, but it just made me dizzy because they. I, I don't want to go off on a tangent too, but that <laughs> movie with the shaky cam was just too much. I just wish they would have filmed it differently. Right. Okay. Um, but I'm allowed yeah, to say that, I like Quantum Solace, by the way. Uh, well, good yeah. for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's war. It is war. But anyway, it is war. Um, yeah, but it, it it's just they could have found better things for him to do in this movie. I think that they had a good story in there. Um, and John Glenn directed it, right? Yes, that's right. And he he did a a lot. Of, he he, I think he was was he in charge of the stunts at one point. Yes, or, yeah, yeah. And then they promoted him to direct some of the movies. I forget. Did he do Spy Who Loved Me? Maybe. Uh, I believe he did. It's one of the things I usually do with the director, and I didn't in this case. No, I'm sorry, but yeah, but like yeah. he did a lot of James Bond movies. But I was surprised when I saw his name pop up because I forgot that he had done the movie and like uh, oh, really quick. I got to reverse really quick. So I love the song License to Kill, but the that whole montage is just dreadful. It, it's like it was so what, badly done. What do you mean montage? In well, what? you know, like when the, when they sing the song, you know, after like the the stinger in the beginning and then yeah. the, the song comes on and then all like the naked ladies running around that part where naked ladies running around is always fun, but yeah. just the colors and the stuff that they used in that little thing. It, it just looked so horribly. Oh, no. It wasn't as bad as the song at the end though, Joe. Oh, you're going to, well, here we go again. <laughs> that Patty, song is great. Are you Patty kidding Bell. Oh, that's a great song. Uh, what uh, what song was it? Because it was it was. If then, you ask me to, right? So, didn't didn't do much when it first got released, but Celine Dion took it to the stratosphere. Apparently, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so no, a good I song. Said, it's just not very well done. I before I used to like before James Bond movies would come out, I'd get the soundtrack before I'd see the movie, right? And and I hated that soundtrack. That's like I said, I couldn't stand like the the whole orchestra that they had done the composer but 
License to Kill was great. And so was If You Asked Me To by Patti LaBelle. I thought that was really, really good. Oh, it's a, a very weak way to end the film. But it's, a, I mean, it actually was considered to be the the opening song. And I'm glad it wasn't because it doesn't oh, deserve to no. be an opening. It's, it's not an official James Bond song, I would say. You should but, have opened with License to Kill, which you did, and closed with License to Kill. Well, I, I agree with that. I still like the song. I, and I think okay. Celine Dion helped. Okay. Well, I'm sure we'll get into other areas when we talk about trivia time, because I'm mm. sure you've got some things as well. Um, but one of the things that I want to address is the when they say it's the, the most unsuccessful Bond film. Um, and I think that's unfair. And we'll go into those reasons in just a moment, just after we play the jingle for trivia time. Here we go. Trivia time. So, some sources say that this was the least commercial, commer- the least commercially successful or unsuccessful Bond film. This isn't true, as the film movie made over 175 million against the dollars against a 32 million dollar production budget. That's not bad. They called it the least successful as the profits made by this movie didn't reach the expectation of the producers or the studio because they wanted. 210 million in order to become the highest grossing bond movie at that time. So it's a bit unfair. The producers also expected that the movie should have earned at least 65 million from the U S box office due to the fact that most parts of the movie was filmed in the U S because none of this was filmed in the UK because there was a, a particular issue. So even the shots that you saw with the London bus, they weren't filmed in the UK. What was the issue that was going uh, on? I'll get to, I'll get to that. It's, it's, it's on the list. Um, but this didn't happen due to what it was up against in the U.S. box office in 1989. Joe, tell me what it was up against. Oh, in 89. Ah, oh, well, I know Batman. Yeah. <laughs> um, I forget. I know 89 was a very big year. Well, and you've I- got uh, three, th- uh, four, four sequels. Well, is Back to the Future one of them? No. Oh, actually, Back to the Future would. Back to the Future was eighty eight, and Back to the Future three was eighty nine. Well, oh. well anyway. two and three came out pretty quickly. Yeah, they came yeah. in without within a year of each other because they were filmed back to back. Yeah. Um, you've got Lethal Weapon two. All right. Uh, you've got The Abyss. You've got Ghostbusters two, uh, Star Trek five, but I don't present any credence on that even though they got my money, but I really wish they yeah. could have it back. And that, that's got to be a shout for one of the worst films ever. I agree. Ever. Um, it's also, uh, I say the abyss um, and Indiana Jones and the last crusade. You know, it's bizarre with that. I wouldn't have guessed any of those, maybe Indiana Jones, but uh, Batman and Indiana Jones, the other ones I, I would have completely forgot what year they were made. I, yeah, I, I will say Ghostbusters at 88, if I had to guess. So I wouldn't have thought it was 89. I think that one of the problems with this movie, too, other than it's not a very good movie, is they failed with the marketing over here. The poster was just awful. I don't know what they were thinking of. When you look at The Living Daylights, this is a classic James Bond poster. And For Your Eyes Only, mm. classic. There's so many classic James Bond posters. Like you get excited when you see the poster. Yes. And this one was just like a like a cut and paste photoshop thing that 
if that existed back then it didn't but it just was a mess uh and i i don't understand it's almost like they kind of it had a low budget i think it was like one of the lowest budgets that they had in a, a long mm. time for for a bond movie it was 32 million and, and they mentioned well they mentioned that in the film you know at, at one point but um it it's just like it seemed like they cut corners and I hate to say it. I think that they cut corners on marketing because I think it would have been more successful if you did have two very attractive girls in this movie, regardless of what you think of one of them, hmm. they should have been front and center on the poster, probably him in the middle, you know, draped on there are posters like one grab in his this. leg. Yeah. 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 But um, not over here though. I'm just saying if they wanted it to be successful over here, it Not like the Living just, Daylights, the poster. I think you're probably referring to the poster of Living Daylights. Yeah. So it was marketed that way. Yeah, and that's the poster we got. You know, with the she's in the nightgown or the yeah. negligee. Yeah, I don't understand. Anyway, yeah. I think that that was part of the problem. Sorry. No, that's all right. I'm just thinking of all of these spin-off specials we're going to have from this, like Bond Girls. Are we allowed to do that? Are we allowed to? We're probably be banned. I would think if we rated the Bond Girls, of which um, mm-hmm. Sophie Marceau in. Uh, um, never say never. Oh, it's not enough. Oh no, I was, I was thinking. Whoa, that. Joe, that takes some beating. Yeah, sorry. Uh, anyway, right. Um, but this world is not enough. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, we we haven't got to Pierce Brosnan. Uh, in fact, before we get to Pierce Brosnan, because this isn't in trivia time, but we still need to mention it. Um, what's the least commercially successful Bond film? Do you want to have a guess? At first, I would probably say this one, but it's probably Die Another Day. It's The Man with the Golden Gun. Really? I love that. Wow. I was a huge fan of that one. And, and people did love it. It's just the least, it's the least commercially successful of a lot of commercially successful films. That doesn't mean that it's not good. It just means that it's a, a bottom of a very you know, eclectic part. But you're right. I, Why I is never Die Another Day? That. Die Another Day might be the worst, worst Bond film. Might be. Yeah. Who knows? Anyway, right. Okay. So we're going to pause trivia time at this point. What's he? What's he beef with Piers Brosnan? Oh, he's just awful. I mean, he Is can't he? act. <laughs> what? <laughs> he's a good-looking guy. You know, he's got the look. James Oscar Bond, winner Piers Brosnan. He won an Oscar. I'm sure he did. No, he didn't. No, I, I, I say that flippantly, but I'm sure he did. No, there's no way in hell he, they would get him near an Oscar. He's just, all, he's a, you know, he's a pretty boy, basically. Like he, to me, he was always Remington Steele. And I know before James Bond, Roger Moore was the saint, but Roger Moore was able to get into that character. I never bought Pierce Brosnan as James Bond. Hmm. It, it, he can't deliver lines. He's. Oh, he can. It's like a fan being cast as a James Bond character but they have zero acting experience that's unfair i think he was given everything on a golden plate because of his looks that guy does not deserve to be in any movie uh you know tv series yeah i I, i'd seen maybe an episode or two of remington steel and that was fun what came first moonlighting or remington steel uh remington steel it came first really yeah i believe so yeah all right so moonlighting is supposed to 85 yeah, so I guess Moonlighting ripped that off a little bit. Hmm. But yeah, I just, 
And his voice is too weak too. Uh, that's a big thing for me too. I, I just think it's, it's very soft and I don't see him as a threatening James Bond ever in, in any of the movies that he's done. Well, I don't, I, I those mean, are, I consider but, those four movies, the dark times. Fact, what Goldeneye, which is like in, always in the top five of fan fan favorites. I, it's up I there watched with, it it's up there with gold, gold. It's up there with Goldfinger. I mean, I would say it was his best outing, but he really went downhill. I like that. Tomorrow Never Dies. I think the start of Tomorrow Never Dies. God, Dang are we going to rank the starts of film? Oh, this could no, be a whole. I, shall I just create another? I'll just create another podcast, shall I, Joe? Of spin, yeah. so we can deal with all the spin-offs. Yeah, let's all do, right. do a James okay, Bond well, spin-off. I'll do a rusted junk. Yeah, we'll do a we'll do a Bond. I don't I don't know how that'll go down with the other co-owner, um, but I will uh, I will float the idea. Um, tomorrow never dies. Oh, the the the, the rogue missile! What what an opening! That's just so good. Too bad somebody wasn't James Bond other than him. Oh, hey, well, I just don't like him. It, it's like, and I tried. Tell me, you know, but you didn't. I don't, I don't think you gave him a chance. I did. I gave him a chance. At, you know, with Goldeneye when I saw it in theaters. And you, and do you not come out of Goldline and go, that was an amazing movie? No, I well, came out of it and said, that was not James Bond. Uh, where when Timothy Dalton did The Living Daylights, I was like, no, that's James Bond, which I'm shocked. Yeah, it's okay, like yeah, they yeah. got a good actor to play him. Yes. And I, I know you don't like Daniel Craig. I felt the same way no. with Casino Royale. He's hey, the other guy that I feel that is, is, is George Daniel, Lassenby. Daniel Craig. The Bond that doesn't want to be Bond. Not interested. Well, he might not want to be Bond, but he's a decent actor. And when he right. does the role, I would rather him, again, be that James Bond where he's a loner and he's miserable and he gets the crap beat out of him, but he, then he beats the crap out of somebody too. Hmm. Um, instead of the fancy boy. He, uh, Pierce Brosnan just sucked onto this whole thing of like shaken, not stirred. Yeah. Um, and I'm pretty sure even in several of the movies, he looked directly in the camera, breaking the fourth wall. Maybe, maybe once, fault. maybe once Joe. I mean, yeah. Yeah. It, it's just, I don't. All right. Let's well, move on. Well, <laughs> shall we? Shall we? I've got so many good ideas that you and I are going to discuss on this. Uh, did you know that because a large part of the uh, during the uh, filming at the Florida Keys, that the then governor, uh, Florida governor Bob Martinez, presented Albert uh, Broccoli, Michael Wilson, and head of marketing Charles Duro, each with a great seal of the state of Florida. The governor also won a walk-on part in the film as a customs officer at Key West Airport. There you go, your home state, Joe. Yeah, I wasn't here though when. I was no, still in but, New York at that point. But no, I did not know that. Absolutely. So did you know this? I'm not sure. You know, when you when you read trivia, I'm not entirely sure with this one. Lighter tells his wife, Della, that James was once married, which we know, because in On Her Majesty's Secret Service. In reality, Timothy Dalton was actually approached and considered for playing Bond in that movie. And he declined because he felt a bit too young for the part. 18 years later, he took the role, made it the lo- longest run from consideration to actually taking the role. Uh, I'm not sure about that. 
I remember that though. I remember reading that a long time ago. Do you and you think that so so Dalton basically gets asked as a sort of late teenager. Do you want to play Bart? Do you, do you want to take one of our, you know, instead of George Lazenby, would you like to be? That's that's taken a hell of a risk because he hadn't he hadn't really done anything by then. Well, neither is Lazenby, and Lazenby basically lied his whole way to get. Yeah, like true. he said, he was an actor. He was a model. Um, yeah, no, I don't think he would have worked at that age. But I do believe the story is true. I think that he was approached to to play Bond. Yeah. It, it's just, it's, when I think about it, it's so sad that Sean Connery wasn't in that movie because that was one of the greatest movies on Her Majesty's Secret Service. He would have just knocked it out of the park. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I know, I would agree. Um, did you know that Leah Thompson was up for the role of Pam Bouvier, but she turned it down? No, I didn't know that because she had, she needed to film Back to the Future. I think she might have been too young. Can we make it work? Wouldn't you think she'd be too young for that role? See, I don't. I just Leah Thompson to me will always be uh, from How the Duck. Really, in that Back to the Future? Look, she she wears some um, very appealing costumes in the she's the best part of that movie i'll agree she's not the best part jeffrey jones the best part Ugh. all right oh don't, don't let me don't let amanda hear you say that i know but hey she'd let that pass for me I showed I, it, I showed all i have to say it's like why do you, you want to watch howard the duck again amanda she'll say no no she will say no but don't forget that she has rated it above average all right so there we go um so, uh, what have we got? Yeah, don't, uh, I don't, don't even, don't even want to mention that one. Some years later, Talisa Soto would go on to marry Carrie Lowell's Law and Order, Law and Order co-star Benjamin Bratt. That mean anything think, to you? Yeah, and I, I do remember that too. Actually, okay. Um, according to the DVD commentary, Timothy Dalton was unav- unavailable for Talisa Soto's screen test. <laughs> So Robert Darvey filled the role of Bond, and they liked him. <laughs> they said, "They said we like the we like the way you embrace the Bond character." And I'm like, "Yeah, I can never see Robert Darvey as Bond." No, I'd like yeah. to see that screen test though. Yes, absolutely. Well, the thing about it is, this is this is what this is what going searching for people post commentaries on. They don't always post the 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 extras from things. Um, you know, I, I love extras. I mean, I do buy digital, you know, like hard digital media when I can, rather than just rely upon the extras that, that are there. Because sometimes you capture it. I remember one of my favorite extras was the whole Back to the Future ride was an extra on the Back to the Future re-release, um, especially in 4K as well. They released the footage that they used for the Back to the Future ride, which is still, um, apart from Jaws, one of my favorite rides ever. Yeah, it's really sad they get rid of that ride. Oh. Just it's just so good. It's so good. Um, so in 1985, the Film Act was passed, removing what was called the ED levy, resulting in foreign artists being taxed more heavily. The associated rising cost to Eon Productions, who made this film, meant no part of the movie was filmed in the UK, and it was the first Bond movie not to do so. Pinewood Studios, which was used in every single previous Bond film up to that point, housed only the post-production 
and sound re-recorded. That was it. Hmm. Very. Uh, I, I did want to mention too. Uh, this yeah. is Bernard Lee's last James Bond as M. Uh, he's he was a good M. I really liked him. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was good. You, you're not a fan of Judy Dench, though. No. Right. <laughs> not at all. Would would you have been a fan of Judy Dench if somebody else was in the role apart from Pierce Brosnan? You just don't like her character. No, I don't like her character. I, I don't care if Sean Connery was in the role. I, I just don't like her. I like her in other movies. Right. But I just don't like her as in. Right. Maybe I'm a misogynist or a sexist. No, I just think I can see what you mean. But she just come out with lines now and again when Bond's about to say a name. If you say that name, I'll have you shot. <laughs> I just think I love, I love. There's little, there's parts that I like, especially the fact that you know, in Die Another Day, she's willing to, to. If it was left to me, you would have died in, you would have died in that foreign hell hole. And you're like, well, that's nice, that's pleasant. He gets shot at the start of Skyfall. Um, yeah, she's not much regard for him, really. No, uh, okay. <laughs> we'll but, just leave it at that. Anyway, my last one is um, it's widely and incorrectly rumoured uh, that this was Timothy Bolton's last Bond film due to it fi- being financially disappointing. In reality, Dalton was to star in a third James Bond film after this one titled Property of a Lady, uh, written by Michael Wilson and Alfonso Ruggiero and set to start shooting in 1990 with pre-production work having begun in May of the year. However, legal issues with MGM beginning that year created long delays, which eventually led Dalton to announce his retirement for the role in 94, a year after his contract had expired, paving the way for Piers Bosnan's casting in GoldenEye. Had the film been made, it would have been set in Scotland, Tokyo and Hong Kong and would have evolved nanotechnology. While no director was ever officially attached, John Landis... And Ted Kotcheff, who who did First Blood, uh, were all under consideration. A John Landis film with Timothy Dalton titled Property of a Lady with Nanotechnology. Sign me up. Me too. I don't know about the nanotechnology part, but John Landis. I've been aware of his time. Yeah, but I I don't know. Something about it that uh, doesn't scream property of a lady. Right. Um, uh, the sad thing for me is that I think if he would have been James Bond and Gold and I, he would have done much better. I think Sean yeah. Bean was very good in the movie. Yeah. And uh, most of the cast was very good. But uh, I, like I said, I'm not a huge fan of uh, Pierce Brosnan, but it's, it's just sad that he didn't get to do that movie because I, I think it would have been so much better. Absolutely. And I think they would have worked well together, Dalton and Sean Bean. Yeah. But Sean Bean I, plays does what he normally does. He just plays Sean Bean. Yeah. For those UK listeners, um, simplicity. It's just he does adverts for O2 and he just comes up with his with his accent everywhere. And oh, now he's yeah. done one for Yorkshire Tea. Please go and look it up on YouTube on YouTube. It's, it's this year's advert, or it's last year's advert. Do it for Yorkshire. Oh, good lord. But that's when you're thinking about John Landis. It would have been so cool to have, like, you know, someone that is a real director. Because a lot of these directors that have directed James Bond movies, they, they're really not too well known. Yeah. And I remember for a while they were talking about Tarantino 
doing a James Bond movie. Wow. Wow. That would have been incredible. And I yeah. think that he wanted to take it back to the sixties. Um, oh man. I just, you just, you just, just know be... that everything would have been, every, everything would have been lined up. There's no way that he would take that on if he didn't know that he, he knew he could knock it out of the park. Yeah. And I'd love to see like a Christopher Nolan tackle James Bond yeah, yeah. movie. Yeah. Uh, it just somebody that's, that's a really good director, uh, like, uh, Martin Scorsese. Yeah. It, it's just, yeah. That's when I, when I heard John Landis, I was like, damn, we could have got such good directors. I think they kind of cut corners on that. They, but it was all ready to roll. I mean, it was all, yeah. it was all going on and then they just messed him around. So I think we can possibly say that the, the, is it right to say that Timothy Dalton is the bond, probably the bond we we deserved, but wasn't just never allowed to reach his full potential? Yes, that's a very true statement. Yeah. Makes me want to go and see the living day. I did watch the start of living daylights yesterday, just, just because I wanted, I, I was flitting around. I couldn't, I couldn't settle on anything. So I just went all over the place and the start of living daylights. I mean, you've no specter in this film. You've got Smirsh, Smirsh, yeah, Smirsh. And you're like, it's almost like you've taken away the bond stuff and just given him the story. He's probably hindered by the end of the cold war. You know, it's all coming to a sort of end and you know, there's new threats. Well, Smirsh was in uh, from Russia with love. So, Oh, of course, of course, Robert Shaw. Yeah. 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 It, it, it definitely was around. It's not as popular as specter was. No. But um, yeah, I I had that VHS, The Living Daylights. Mm. I wore it out. Uh, that opening scene, I just would watch that over and over and over again. Yeah, because I thought it was such a well done scene. Yes, and it was. and the music, it was John Barry, but there was techno involved in that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you've got like just... a bit of aha type direction in it, the type of music that they would play, which is why I think it goes in seamlessly into the yeah. song you know what's funny and i didn't read this i was gonna try to research just before the podcast but apparently john barry retired after the living daylights and he didn't want to do another james bond movie because he had like a big argument with aha <laughs> really okay. i gotta look into that i don't know if that's oh, true or thing. not i'm sure that will come up on some of our many spin-offs joe that yeah. we'll have we'll have blend how do you want to do I, i'm kind of like thinking I want to steal from your podcast. I want to do um, Bond movie, Bond song movie madness and like pull out songs and they go up against each other. Oh, that'd be uh, great. Well, I don't know. Well, yeah, we could do. Uh, I don't know. I'd have a think about it. That's that's a good idea. actually. Right. Okay. Well, it's your idea. I've just nicked it. It's fine. Um, I've I've now downloaded uh, your podcast. I'll be listening to it. I'll, I'll be getting to the final now. Um, if you haven't, I, I mean, as I said, I, I mentioned Joe's podcast at the start. The, the, the people that they, you know, Jack and Fedra, they're on it. And there's other people that come in and out, me being one of them now and again. Um, it's just wonderful. And they're doing this March movie madness where they take Marvel films against each other. Um, I didn't catch the first bit. I assume Fedra is drawing them out of a hat. Or, or whatever. No, it's me, and I'm like oh, putting you. it in front of the camera. Right. Okay. Um, and then you've got these, like, I think the last one that I had, you had Civil War up against Infinity War. 
Um, and I think that's where I'm up to <laughs> on, on the last one. So Infinity War has to win on that one. Yeah, um, it's a fun... I see it, Jack didn't pick it. it I forget what he picked. I, I don't pay attention to him. <laughs> <laughs> Jack, you but no, like, it's I love you. Yeah. No, but it is fun. We definitely had a lot of fun doing that. Yeah, definitely. So I, I would say definitely go and check it out. Well, we did it. We did it in, what, 145? One hour 45. That's not bad. No, that's not bad. Only because longer. we parked a lot of the stuff in kicked it, kicked yeah. the can down the road, as they say, into other podcasts. So, yeah, I don't mind doing that. That's fine. Perfect. Right. Yep. I shall have to go and work on the editing now so that we get it out for our, our lovely listeners. The next, you can do you know what? I'd, I'd like you to write in, um, go and look for Rusted Junk podcast. Um, we suddenly increased. We got this message from Amazon Music and said, you're now on our podcast list. And suddenly it's gone boom. I was like, okay. That's thanks. cool. Thanks, Amazon Music. It's very kind of you. Um, but yeah, find us at Rusted, Rusted Jump Podcast on Facebook. Uh, the Twitter and the Instagram need some work. Um, I don't even know if you get an alert. So just, uh, just focus on um, uh, Facebook. Uh, we are going to do a lot more when we can figure out how to schedule things. Um, so that would be a uh, something, uh, a learning curve. Uh, Joe, do you want to tell everybody where you can find this podcast that I've been waxing lyrical about for the last five minutes? Yeah, it's called WDWNT Nerd Alert, which is short for WDW News Today. And um, it's on Spotify, iTunes, and iHeartRadio, and probably some other ones uh in a lot of streaming services. And, and we basically talk mostly about Marvel and Star Wars since they're Disney properties. It's a, it's a Disney-owned uh, company. Mm. But we also bring up DC and James Bond every now and then. We, we like to talk about nerdy stuff that we all enjoy and, and the listeners enjoy. And uh, it, it's fun. We I think we have a good cast. And we rarely agree with stuff. We like to argue. We love to debate. and. Yeah. Uh, that's a Bennett. And if you want, you can email me at joe at wdwnt.com if you have any uh, questions or anything. And that's about it. He's available for parties. We have to get another podcast in. <laughs> we have to get another podcast. Our mitzvahs. In. Our mitzvahs. Pod- yeah. Our mitzvahs parties. Uh, yeah. Um, I was about to say children's parties, but that just seemed weird. So I'll just leave it as parties <laughs> and bar mitzvahs. Um, that's fine. Um, I was going to say quinceaneras. That's kind of like a children's party, but the what? Sorry, say that again. Quinceanera. You know what that is? It's like a drawing a blank. You know, uh, in a, a Hispanic uh, uh, heritage, when, when a girl is 15 years old, she has a quinceanera, which is basically like um, a bar mitzvah for her coming out as as a woman. I I don't know my my. I, I thought I'm quite culturally aware, but I didn't. I didn't know that one. They still hit well, pinata. They still hit pinatas in it. Or they do. Yeah, oh, it cool. might be Mexican, but I don't know. Oh, Lucky you, no. You don't even know. Yeah, I really don't. But I know <laughs> right, okay. Quinceanera. I'd always get a kick out of it. Yeah. Oh, we did so well. We got all the way. We went through the, the the thorny issue of Bond Bond girls and how do we describe them? And Joe upsets our uh, our Spanish and Mexican community right at the end. Honestly, I, I think I apologize. It could be Mexican. Um, I, again, I'm not 100% sure. I'll look it up. <laughs> we'll look it up, and we'll we'll make sure that we correct our uh, 
um, yeah. our knowledge accordingly. Anyway, um, thanks for being on, man. I appreciated it. I, I've now got six pod, six podcasts. You've got probably another 12 hours of this on a separate thing, if you want to hear us talk about that. But I can have some conversations with the, with the co-owner right now. Oh, so cool. cool. Um, nice one. I will say cheerio. See you, everyone. See you. Thank <laughs> you.